Well, everybody said about the bird. Grown men watch this shit. A podcast about indie wrestling. Here we go. All right, guys, welcome to episode 16. Oh, wow. 16 <laughs> of Grown Men Watch This Shit. Apparently, we do. We do all the way into the year 2019. How weird does that sound, guys? Wow. It's the future. The future. Isn't Blade Runner supposed to happen now? I think so. We're, we're like in some sort of Conan O'Brien future sketch. I hope everyone's in the got there. Year 2000. Yay, that one. That one. <laughs> <laughs> and to acknowledge the, the third man laughing in the booth here, uh, joining uh, Mr. Jeremy Tate as well as uh, myself, Chris, we have the fabulous young boy, Josh Smith. What's going on, bud? But whose side is he on? Mm, mm. The third man. The third hey guys, man. thanks for having me on. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for that was an NWO reference. Chris, you didn't catch the NWO reference he was throwing out there, did you? I'm pretty sure I was all no, I didn't I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you... Welcome, sir. Welcome to the show, Mr. Hulk Hogan. It's good to have you here. Oh, don't call me that. I have a lot of people <laughs> upset at me. <laughs> I no, brother, understand. that now, brother. <laughs> but no, thanks for having me on the show. I uh, I enjoyed it the last time, and uh, you know, you guys said you had me back on, and then you hit me up in the middle of the night the other night, and I was like, yeah. oh yeah, sweet, like let's do it. I'm super excited because obviously I'm a mark for your guys' show, so Aww. yeah, I'm really really glad to be back on. Oh, it's well, great to have you, bud. Yeah. Well, uh, before we get to the fun, I think we all should at least just for a brief moment Ooh. give a shout out to one mean Gene Okerlund who recently oh, passed away. For real. Oh. Yeah, man. Actually hit pretty hard. How about you guys? Yeah, like the voice of a generation pretty much. Like to me, he was like always the, the nice dad of wrestling, you know, he was like mm-hmm. the the I don't, it, it, yeah, it was totally one of those ones that just get you uh, off off at a surprise. I mean, Vader was the same way for me last year. Um, there's just some guys where you're like, he'll just be around forever. And then he's not. Yeah. I mean, when you think of the glory days of WWF, you think of the different voices, you've got like gorilla monsoon and, you know, mean Gene Okerlund and those guys are right there. And I mean, they defined, you know, what that product was at that, at that time. And I mean, it defined our childhoods basically. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, and like with all of yeah, the I mean, crazy, wacky personalities of wrestling, like it's it's so important to have that like that straight man, like that that nice mm-hmm. guy straight man presence for all of those crazy Randy Savages and Hulk Hogan's yes. and Ultimate Warriors to just bounce off of. And Mean Gene was was so perfect at that. Even like into WCW, he was like on fire. Like I even remember like when I was still uh struggling through like uh 2000s wcw like mean gene was still just fucking on point like i remember there was a promo where he was just giving shit to the the natural born thrillers just like they're trying oh, to yeah, intimidate yeah. him 
the natural born gorillas. My God. Yeah, amazing name. My favorite, one of my favorite things is in WCW as well is that him and Brett and Brett's offered the opportunity up to somebody to challenge him, challenge him for the United States Championship. And he's like, "How about El Dandy?" And he's like, "El Dandy? What are you talking about?" And Brett's like, "Who are you to doubt El Dandy?" So uh, I, I, I still need that on the show. El Dandy. I always Here's need that. I freaking I freaking love El Dandy. Like, Me too. You guys don't even. So great. Like those El Dandy know, versus like, like um, wasn't it like El Dandy versus Blue Panther matches? Like those things were fucking out of this world. That guy is just that, that match, those, that match is really good. I like his um his hair matches though from the late '80s with like Emilio Charles and like. Pirata oh, Morgan. All those awesome OG um, CMLL guys. So good. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, but, yeah, yeah. Just, not to, uh, you know, devolt, like go too deep down the <laughs> rabbit hole of wrestling fandom. <laughs> just um, go down I, the I, rabbit hole of El Dandy. Sorry, Mean Gene. We're yeah. talking about El Dandy now. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing with, with Mean Gene um, is not just that he defined – the product, but that almost everybody who is an interviewer or a sports like uh, broadcaster, they all recognize that kind of what you'd mentioned, uh, Chris, like with his timing, like he was literally the best ever at what he did. Yeah. Like I, I see him in the same vein as like that, that just being perfect for the product, like a Lance Russell from um, Memphis. Like he was uh, or just Gordon as good. Soli. Yeah. Yeah. Gordon Soley or um, what's the, the dude from the, the stampede territory. He was uh, very similar in terms of being that just nice authoritative dad presence for everyone to do the crazy shit off of. I, I didn't watch stampede. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'll work this out later for the fastidious, uh, Fussing that I do on these things. No one cares. Yeah, we'll just edit it in. We'll edit it in there. We'll, <laughs> we'll make it look like you're real quick. You pull it up right away. You're like, boom, slam. Yeah. I know the reference. Really? Yeah, we're... Chris will be like, what was his name? And then all of a sudden, like a total different Ed sound Whalen. bite. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ed Whalen. Yeah. <laughs> boom. Of course. It was while course, I was... Ed Whalen. It was while I was Googling it. Like, before I even actually uh, got it, like just the sure. process of typing it in then it's like yeah of course <laughs> but you're right dude like there's so many weird even even gene could also be pretty funny a lot of times like just throwing one-liners out at people or if they like there's all some clips where somebody will fuck up and gene can't help but laugh like that one with wendy richter i think oh mm. uh, yeah it's, it's, he's just a legend and yeah hell of a way to start off 2019 what a fucking bummer yeah, there there was some there was someone from WrestleMania one. I can't remember who it was. It was a a baseball figure that was like the ti- like the timekeeper at WrestleMania one, and he showed mm-hmm. up freaking bombed to the interview with uh, Mean Gene, and Mean Gene just like was the consummate professional, made him look like gold. But you could just tell like in hindsight that he was like completely smashed. Nice. <laughs> you think Gene would have a little bit of experience with that with doing the the uh, interview circuit with all those dudes fucking coked out of their minds in the WWF uh, through that, that period. So just Billy Martin, Billy Martin. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, Gene's just his, his interplay was with all of those guys, like him and Bobby Heenan, just the way they'd sort of like bounce off of one another was just fabulous. Um, Just so many guys, even things you, you like, you think of like things he'd say to be like, gentlemen, try to have some decorum like 
so good. We need more of that in wrestling in 2019, I think. I, there's, there's not enough well, like voices of, of sanity and, and just moral fiber. Yeah, they make all the backstage guys. It's like it's actually some young dude that <laughs> no one's gonna be intimidated by. Like you don't take this guy seriously. Not, not don't get me wrong. Like guys, like I think was it Tom Phillips or Todd Phillips? That stupid gag with Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens always still fucks me up. Yeah. Anyway, Tom, Tom oh, yeah. Phillips was That's good. Hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, backstage when he used to do interviews, like he was good, but you never like really took him seriously. Like me and Gene, where you actually would want to listen to him, like he's getting down to any nitty gritty. Gene consummate professional as you all said and uh yeah no one will live up to that i don't think for real even, i'm um, even like cracking uh, open a coldie to gene right now mm. cheers, oh, I've, gene. I've got one too Ooh. cheers guys cheers. cheers ew even that end up <laughs> oh my god <laughs> asmr even um even the uh the the nwo like debut that we were kind of alluding to like his mm. role with Hulk Hogan is like probably one of a like one of his career highlights, I would say. Mm. I can't disagree. Actually, yeah, it really sets the tone, makes it like the because Gene or Gene and Hogan are so tied together, it's perfect. Which is unfortunately why WWE thinks it's okay to bring Hulk Hogan back on Monday. But you know, oh, man. whatever, right? It'll be interesting uh, how it goes, like whether it's just like a real low key, you know, not not coming out to the music, just I'm here for Mean Gene, say something nice about Mean Gene, then that's it. Or whether, like we're saying, it's just going to be some uh, bullshit uh, way to... If it's to... Terry, that'll be interesting. If it's not Hulk Hogan, it's Terry Belair that comes out there, that <laughs> might be interesting. <laughs> well, you know, I live in uh, Clearwater, Florida, so I see Terry all the time. Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so uh, so are we talking? No, I'm not going to go into that. I was going to go into the the Hulk Hogan Terry, which is his dick thing, but we don't need that. <laughs> Hulk Hogan doesn't have a big, Terry Belea's penis is not that big. Hulk Hogan's penis on Ten the other foot. Huge. leg dropping motherfuckers with it. It's over huge, guys. Yeah. Oh, what a tribute to Mean Gene. We got to talking about Hogan's penis. <laughs> Anyway, let's we move sullied along. it. We sullied it. Fuck. God bless Gene. We love you. <laughs> we love you, Gene. R.I.P. buddy. All right. So, um, with this episode, I, I they wanted to. I mean, it's it's a new year. All, all the motherfuckers are doing it, but at the same time, I feel like it it is a good time to look back on just all those things that happened in 2018. When you look back and you think about it, and like sort of the mindset that we had going into 2018, and and now it's it's crazy how different it is. Um, so I thought it'd be good just for us to kind of go through our, a little, little bit of a recollection and, and the, the highs, the lows, and, and just sort of, uh, how that affects where we are now. We've obviously had some, some huge, uh, groundbreaking, uh, announcements, uh, over the last couple of weeks with all elite wrestling, um, all the, the stuff with that, with the potential exodus from new Japan and the hints that we got from, uh, wrestle kingdom and new year's dash. Um, it's a crazy time right now. So I thought it'd be a good time to both reflect and maybe look forward. And, uh, I'm very happy that, uh, we're able to have you Josh on the show to sort of recollect with us and, and give us a little bit more of a, uh, Japan flavor for us to, to chat about too. Yeah, absolutely. So it was kind of funny uh, last night when you were like, do you want to come on and do a year in review? I was like, what year are we reviewing? 96 <laughs> Battle Arts, 
89 <laughs> UWF. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, I actually feel kind of intimidated to come on your guys' show because you guys um, <clears throat> spend so much time, like, kind of varying your tastes and watching so many, like, different products, you know. And I, uh, ever since we started keeping a strong style, um, you know, which is my New Japan podcast, I've kind of had to be dedicated to that. So it's like I'm aware of what's going on out there, but like my actual branching out has been become so severely limited because it's like a full time job watching New Japan at this point. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. I um I did a bit of a catch up in the lead up to Wrestle Kingdom, and I basically watched like three months worth of New Japan product in about three weeks. Fuck, you're me. a madman. <laughs> yeah, it was painful. I mean, there was some great highs, uh, but yeah, I uh, I'm glad to have a bit of a break from New Japan now. But, uh, I, yeah, I mean, that's kind of good, right? Because, I mean, you, uh, like you're saying, more in that New Japan bubble and you, you know the outside stuff but not being able to watch a lot of it. Um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, like um, Jeremy, like you probably, I assume, don't watch quite as much New Japan as, as Josh does. Um, Definitely not. <laughs> so it's sort of a good way for us to sort of, you know, uh, share our, our different sort of what, what we're know a little bit more about and then have a, a good little friendly buddy chat about it all you know well, actually, that, that you was know what i really want to hear about is not necessarily a recap thing unfortunately but we definitely get into that i did not get an opportunity to see new year's dash i actually fell asleep because i stayed up watching uh a lot of wrestle kingdom the other night and mm-hmm. uh yeah i didn't see new year's dash so i'd like to hear a recap from you gentlemen on that show and maybe what we have in store for us for 2019 for New Japan. But if we go sure. either way, man, the reason I have a problem with doing year recaps is because I just so live in the moment. I don't really think back like, oh, yeah, I remember all those amazing matches I threw out throughout the year. I like remember career evolutions or people who maybe had an amazing year or people who had a year that was going somewhere that all of a sudden just tanked. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff I remember more. But uh, yeah. like, what, what mean... are your highlights? Like, What's the best company this year outside of you know your favorites? Like New Japan, my favorite... Believe it or not, I mean, I watch WWE all the time, but big highlight for this year for me was GCW's rise. What do you guys yep. think about that? I was going to say, yes. I think if I had to give yes. my shout-outs to any favorite wrestling promotion of 2018, it's Game Changer Wrestling, all the way. 100%. Yeah, I remember uh, being at a, a show in Ebor, uh, pro- like probably late last year, and I saw someone walk up, and they had the, the infamous GCW shirt, um that's kind of modeled after like the nwa shirt uh, back in the day i, I oh, saw yeah. that and for it's... sale at the spring break show this past year and i was like man yeah. i bought so many wrestling shirts i really want that one but i, I didn't and it's, that, it's that my shirt's regret. awesome it's got yeah. like joey janela on there it's got danzig and nick gage and all these guys and i didn't know who any of these wrestlers were but i saw the shirt and i was like mm. freaking a that looks cool yeah and they're like <laughs> you don't know what gcw is and i was like no <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like I felt like an idiot because I was like, should I know about this? Like, do other what is this thing that everybody knows about? You know, I mean, and because kind of, of GCW, I've watched fed, more right? deathmatch. I've watched more deathmatch related <laughs> stuff because of this company, and mostly because of Chris's yeah. urgence. Uh, I think I've but, forced yeah, you to a little bit, it, but it's actually still entertaining. Like, it's the overall show that they're put on. It's still good. Like, I watched uh, the Dynasty show, and like it ended nice. with a Masato Tanaka and fucking pco match which was 
not deathmatch at all. It was just awesome and straightforward, like Smash Mouth. Just but then straight had... up return to like fucking um, Tanaka, Mike Awesome yeah, in Mike ECW awesome, yeah. and FMW. Exactly. And oh. then we have stuff like uh, <laughs> Nick Gage using a pizza cutter on Chris Dickinson's forehead. So, I mean, they they offer a, a eclectic group of wrestling, and then. You know, you have like uh, there was a straightforward like wrestling match with uh, Tracy Williams and I think his name's Delphin is something Stefan uh, Deppin? T- Tony Deppin. Deppin Tony Deppin Deppin that's right yeah, yeah yeah so that's I mean fucking a what a great show yeah the variety I was about to that say, they super bring Delphin? is so good <laughs> yeah super yeah super Delphin show you know that's that's not that far out of Joey's wheelhouse to where he would bring in um, super Delphin for him to work you know, post comeback. So I, I wouldn't rule that completely out. But, I, uh... I think for, for me with uh, GCW, I obviously I'm not following it as closely as you guys, but I'm very aware of what they're doing. And I think you'd have to be a hermit or, you know, not aware of the international or indie scene to not know about GCW in 2018. Mm. Um, for me, the two high points I would say would be essentially the rise of Joey Janela Mm-hmm. as well as him incorporating all these legends from, you know, years gone past and kind of reinvigorating their careers and kind of paying tribute to them at the same time. For real. And then I would say the the probably the low point would be Joey's injury right when he like is getting like How about that timing? <laughs> Heartbreaking. Yeah. Like yeah. I can't think of anyone that had the momentum that Joey did, but I mean that's how a lot of these things go, right? Like when you, I mean, with his style too, he's one of the most reckless motherfuckers I've ever seen. He kind of, you know, initially blew up from uh, being fucking Danzig bombed right. off of a shed into yeah. a yeah. trailer truck. So <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what I was alluding to with the the rise and fall. Because yeah, Joey definitely took place and became like almost the king of the indies with everyone getting signed like all the top guys for a second there got picked up by the wb real quick and so somebody had to fill that void and joey janela just kind of stepped up and took helm with gcw behind him and like you said bringing in all these old guys setting this like ultimate storyline going through all these different fucking pay-per-views where he's like fighting all these different yakuza and shit like yeah just and the build-up they're almost stuff. like the the bosses as you go through like a, a fighting game Video game yeah yeah and then the ultimate boss being fucking Atsushi onita oh my gosh like i'm so like still holding out a bit of hope that joey like shocks everyone and takes off the moon boot and like actually you know, has a fucking match with Onita at uh, spring break, but I don't know. That needs to happen at some point. My, my whole thing with Joey, I got to be honest with you, like, um, it's it's so love and hate because at the same, at, on one hand, I really don't think he's that good a wrestler, um, and that's the purest in me saying that. But then I'm a freaking mark for him because the the package is so compelling. I don't know how anybody could not get behind him, but then like. Then sometimes, like some matches where like it's the spectacle and all that, I can get behind it. But then other times, I'll see him like kind of shit the bed, and I'm like, man, but I love this guy so much. So it's like it's very, very love hate. But like when the music starts and the videos and the production and the crazy crap he does, I mean, and the hustle, like he's a consummate businessman. Like I really don't know how anybody could like dislike Joey Janela. Like he's incredible. Yeah, 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 even still grinding and well, even still grinding while he's out hurt, like yeah, social media, yeah. still doing announcing and shit. Commentary for, for, the, for yeah. the show we were talking about, yeah, 
And yep. and yeah, he's very active on the social media. He oh, did you see his thing that he did going into next this coming spring break, uh, where he's offering a hot dog and a handshake challenge that someone actually took him up on to be in the clusterfuck <laughs> battle royal. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking Georgie boy. It's fucking yeah. George Hazard. So yeah. let's let's explain this for people that don't know it. So Joey basically, and this is paraphrasing, but he kind of like put it out there that if if someone travels, uh, whoever travels the farthest distance to bring him a hot dog, and and proves it, is in the clusterfuck. <laughs> so we ended up with this fucker from. Did he come from Texas? I think that's where he was working because he, he's worked at Russell. Uh, he used to work for CZW and he worked for Russell Circus. So I don't know where he's actually based out of right now, but yeah, he he was actually retired for a while. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. I love it. Pretty, so good. That's so awesome. It's like so <laughs> random and shit. Yeah. Oh but, man. I mean, Joey, I think both from him, like from a promotional aspect and the reason why people are so into GCW right now and all of these like Joey Janela produced shows is due to the versatility that we're talking about. Uh, like that versatility in, in Game Changer Wrestling where you'll get like a crazy ass awesome comedy match. You'll get a great straight up like wrestling wrestling match. You'll get like a crazy death match. You'll get like all sorts of this stuff and it, it all comes together. Legends matches, etc. Um, but Joey in himself, that's the reason why I love him because he combines all of those things in his own performances. Um, so, Josh, I'm I'm quite similar to you, where sometimes I can be a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a perfectionist when it comes to wanting my wrestling to feel like it's, you know, a fucking fight and and wanting guys to to actually be good at the at the grappling arts the and such. Yeah, the, the craft crisp. of wrestling. Um, but at the same time, I love me some crazy shit too. Uh, but I think Joey fuses. The three, like I was having this conversation with someone in New Orleans um, about Joey, and the reason why he's so great is because he can do a fantastic comedy match, he can do a fantastic death match, um, and I've seen him like go with with guys that are just straight up real good wrestlers, um, and he can hold his own in that as well, um, as did well. Guys, yeah. Did sure. you guys know he had no formal training? Yeah. I, yeah, I think I remember hearing that he came from the the backyard scene, right? Yeah, right. basically, like I, I read this interview uh, last year when they were profiling the rise of, um, you know, Spring Break and how how big it had gotten, and they said he literally had no wrestling school experience. He basically, like, when he was fifteen or sixteen, he was lying about his age and finessing his way onto indie shows, and just basically being a finesser out here and like got himself booked as a job guy everywhere and like learned the craft that way. Like he never so actually went to school. I remember like seeing videos of him that, that he'll share himself. Like he is a sweet, like depreciating fucker kind of guy that I like um, to where he like shared these videos from like CZW from like when he's like fucking 14 and he's in the crowd, like giving the finger to the, the workers and stuff. Like, yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was. There's, it's funny because he actually even pops the people in the audience because he's fucking getting over for flipping the motherfuckers off. It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey's she's just tremendous and and fucking a just DIY to the like, like you said, never been trained. This guy, how over is he? Just based off of charisma alone, really, it's pretty tremendous. Yeah, and, and you know what? You you can teach someone to be a a worker and uh, not to diminish that, but obviously, I mean. Anybody can go to wrestling school, but to teach someone how to have, you know, 
like a presence and how to be a marketing genius. Like that's, that's something a lot of guys just don't get. And Joey gets it. Yeah. He really gets it. And like the passion, I think you can see the passion in Joey, like more so than so many other guys, because he's a guy that, that I know was like, you know, a crazy ass, like ECW fan, a crazy ass FMW fan. Um, like just the, the same dude, like, like all of us, like, you know, we're growing up and we're like doing the fucking tape trading and all that kind of stuff. Like he, you can, you know, me and yeah. Oh no, go ahead. I'm sorry, man. Are you going to say that you're not part of our old carny generation and you were only trading <laughs> downloads? <laughs> oh, you know what? No, in, in all honesty, I uh, I never got into the tape trading, but it wasn't because I'm not old enough. It's just because I, I wasn't like a smart yet. Like no one had wised me up to like that side of, you know, the fandom. But um, I actually, because you're talking about like how Joey's like us, like me and Joey had like a drunken moment where we like embraced for a while in a bar, uh, WrestleMania weekend. <laughs> and I also have a drunken story with Joey, me and Joey and Rhett Titus getting drunk at an MLW African party. We're just doing shots of fucking vodka all night. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's, he's a down to earth motherfucker. Amazing. Well, me, me and Joey, um, we basically like, we're at this after party after WrestleMania, uh, where they're doing Kaiju big battle in new Orleans. And um, we're just – it was weird. Like we are just hanging out with, with all these wrestlers, just drinking, having a good time. And then Joey walks up and he's like, what are you guys talking about? And I was like, Joey. He's like, what's up, man? And I was like, bro, because of you, I got to see the great Sasuke in real life. Thank you for what you're doing for the wrestling business. Thank you for what you've given to me. And he was Very like – He's like, bring it in, bro. Bring it in. And like he got teary-eyed <laughs> for real. <laughs> uh, but like so he was good. really drunk – but like he hugged me hard, bro. Like, 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 <laughs> like it was a real hug. <laughs> it just like took your breath away, kind of thing. <laughs> and like my buddies didn't know what was going on. They came around the corner and they're like, "Bro, why are you and Joey Janela like <laughs> hugging so?" About it, man. Just like this thirty-second moment. moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. It. it was pretty crazy. That's beautiful. That's fucking beautiful. That's everything that I imagined Joey to be. Yeah, I um the moment I I realized Joey was like just the real motherfucker that he is was um the moment that jeremy and i shared with him in new orleans on bourbon street oh hell yeah <laughs> where Fucking nick gage right there too yeah nick gage was there i had a lovely chat with nick gage too and then uh because we were you know the pile drivers were banned on um uh in the by the louisiana state athletic commission uh joey yeah. uh granted us a in-person um Pile driver on Bourbon Street. It was fabulous. We've told the story many yeah. times before, and I'll continue to tell it many times again. Like, I, I, know, I know the story because I've heard it on the show so many times, but I just love the retelling. <laughs> I'm never going to interrupt it. I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> one, hey, one last uh, thing. One yes. thing about GCW I wanted to throw out too is like we mentioned like the death match, the comedy stuff, and all that, but like. For me, like one of my highlights of the year, and I'm hoping possibly for it to be a highlight next year, is Bloodsport, is yeah. the shoot style stuff. Fuck yeah. yeah that I was mean, a great show. I think that's what we originally bonded over, right, Josh? Like just how great that was and, and how much of it, it gave us that throwback feel to your, your rings, your UWF, your Pancras, like uh, pro wrestling Fujiwara Gumi. Like we, that, that's Kingdom. our fucking wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all about that Battle shit. Arc. 
<laughs> Yuki Ishikawa for life, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> how about Tamora? How about Tamora got uh, dropped off the Observer Hall of Fame ballot this year? He's not going in the Hall of Fame, are they? Man, that is some bullshit. I was arguing with one of the guys over here that's on the Hall of Fame ballot um, over both Tamora um, and. Uh, who else was it? Uh, another like just shoot style like guy that, that was falling off the ballot. Uh, that's like a you know just should easily be in a shoe in you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And and then the last the other one being Johnny Saint, um, who I also believe strongly should be in the Hall of Fame and was shocked that he wasn't. Um, in in terms of just completely uh, perfecting a style of wrestling, but yeah, tomorrow it's, it's just the styles the styles die. Oh, the other one, the Fujiwara, fucking Yoshiaki Fujiwara. How is he not in every Hall of Fame? I cannot. Is believe he not? That. No, he's not in. That's insane. I did not know that. And he's like the best. <laughs> oh, anyway, this is but, getting but, a bit of a. But side so note. many guys that are in there, so many guys <laughs> that have gone in there or going in there are either trained by him or have like directly ripped him off and emulated him. So yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, insane. Um, but yeah, Tamora, if anyone like just perfected shoot style wrestling in the nineties, it was Tamora. Like it's, it doesn't get better than that. Um, I mean, like those like Tamora and Volkan, like the. Tamora, I was gonna, I was to say those are the two guys. So perfect, um, and and I mean him and Maeda as well. It's like, I mean Maeda, Takata, um, they kind of get all the credit, right? And then you yeah, it's like that stuff is so pimped and it's so readily accessible, and you know became in vogue in like the early two thousands. But like, the reality is, Tamora is the best that ever did it. Period. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't the biggest draw. That was the thing that's the reason why maybe he's not in. But to me, you know, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame balloting, if you are so fucking game-changingly great in any one of the criteria, be it in a drawing, be it um, in-ring, or just contributions to the industry, if you are so great in any one of those criteria, you should be in. And to me, he is the, the, you know, like we're saying, just the ultimate ultimate uh perfection of the in-ring style of, of shoot style wrestling to where he, he should be in i don't know i but spe- speaking of speaking of ogs though we did get to see in person minoru suzuki have a shoot fight oh, with matt riddle and he did so many little throwbacks to the presentation of minoru suzuki from pancrase it's like it was a different feeling and like he gave us a different side of Minoru Suzuki, which I loved. And, and with how everything shook out, you know, Matt Riddle's now in the the New York territory. Um, it's like He's working for Junior. Yeah, yeah, working for Junior <laughs> yeah. up there. Ugh. Oh, you pop me with that shit every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that was a special fucking thing that we got to be part of. It wasn't a long match, um, but it, for what it was, the the level of intensity in some of those like grappling exchanges and, and some of that uh, submission work is something that I'll, I'll I'll carry with me till my my dying days. It was fantastic stuff. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys that surprised me on that show. You know, fucking Eddie Kingston. I did not expect that he would have that um, that that level of um, you know actual wrestling talent 
I mean, the Walter and uh, Filthy Tom fight was excellent. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I thought Dickinson, um, that was a mixed thing. Some people thought Dickinson and, and Dan Seven Dirty was Daddy. great. I, I actually really liked that for what it was. Like, it wasn't a you, you know four-star encounter, but I thought there were some moments in that that were fantastic. I was sad. No, that one, that one made me sad to watch Aww. an old Dan Seven get beat up. It, that made me sad. Have you seen the Dan Seven uh, match from the prior spring break? No, I didn't watch it. Oh, Dan Seven and Matt Riddle. Fuck. Match of Dan Seven's career. And maybe the best match of Matt Riddle's career. I don't know. That would be an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. There was like just a a level of grappling beauty in it that, that sort of got a different side out of Matt Riddle. Because a lot of the more you know high profile Matt Riddle matches like the Osprey one and stuff like that, are more like of a super indie variation of of Matt Riddle, uh, like sort of just yeah. working that kind of high spots indie style. Uh, whereas this was more of like a throwback to to what brought Matt Riddle to the dance kind of thing. So I really loved it from that perspective. Uh, I so, think yeah, uh, Josh show. Hopefully there'll be more people because I think a lot of people weren't were sure what they expect with a show like that. So hopefully a lot of people who are more into grappling nowadays will figure out this is a good time to watch something like that. Because mm-hmm. the presentation was interesting. I, I think even people who were in attendance didn't know, know how to take. Like some of the finishes kind of felt weird because they just kind of stopped. But Right. Yeah. Well, you know, like it's my favorite movie of all time is literally Bloodsport. Blood Sport. So, yep. <laughs> so when they uh, – in fact, like I actually got a Bloodsport T-shirt for Christmas this year, and it came packaged in a box that looks like a double VHS tape. So, like, sick. Yeah, I lo- I love Bloodsport, and like when I heard that there was gonna be a you know a show that was literally like you know based around that, I was just like, I've got to be there. I actually didn't know what to expect at all. I did not think it was gonna be like shoot style. I really wasn't sure what it was. I was just like, whatever it is. I see the names. I see the the gimmick. I gotta be there. Yeah, and it ended up and being the like lure this... of low key versus Minoru Suzuki. I think that's what got most of that those people into the building. And then it's almost. Well, I think like... it was low key and riddle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, you're like, right. Yeah. You're right. Hundred um, percent. But then yeah, what we got was was even better. Um, better. And then like the way they presented it with like the no ropes. I don't think anyone was expecting that, but that was an excellent throwback. Um, to actual Bloodsport, the movie. I heard some people sort of burying it, saying, oh, you know, uh, UWFI never had no rope matches. The rope breaks are an important part. But uh, it was like more a, a nod to the actual movie of Bloodsport, which I thought was great. Oh, man, we're, before we get off of this, were you just like getting fucking hard when they were playing that uh, Kumate, like Bloodsport yes. theme music in the start Kumate. of the show? Kumate. Kumate. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like it's one of that is like my fight song for life. Yep, agreed. So I good. think that's B Boy uh, uses it as entrance music. <laughs> for, for you guys, though, I mean, obviously, you guys like GCW a lot, but from what I gather, I mean, you guys are watching a lot of stuff out there. It seems like you're watching like PWG, AAW stuff over in Australia, like MCW, like. Uh, what are some other like big highlights for you guys? Because you guys are watching a lot of shit, basically. 
Yeah, Dude, I mean, we, uh, we don't watch everything. Like, the big thing is in the world of wrestling that you have today, you can't watch everything. So you can't keep up full-time with an AAW, keep up full-time with a GCW, keep up full-time with PWG, keep up full-time with New Rev Japan. Like, yeah, you're going to die. <laughs> you're just going to yeah. fall over dead. <laughs> or you're going to be like me for, like, the last maybe, I think the last, like, 10 years of my life where I'm like trying to keep up with so many products. It's like, all right. So with Noah, I'm up to 2016 right now with old Japan. I'm up to 2015 with new Japan. I'm up to relatively current, maybe six months. You know, it's like, yeah, that's not a have good you, way to enjoy wrestling. Have you gotten to the Suzuki Segura fight yet? Oh yeah. 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 Fuck. That was great. Oh, so good. But I mean, there, there's so much great wrestling out there. You do have to pick and choose. I mean, there's some stuff like uh, I, I actually am still chugging all the way through Noah, Old Japan, and Big Japan, like a maniac. There's no way I'm ever going to get caught up. But I, I don't want to miss any of it because it's all so good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, when it comes to your indie wrestling, a lot of it is about what's happening now, and that's the coolest thing yeah. about something like um, Game Changer Wrestling. Because I don't know, you know, if you watch this in a time capsule five years later, I don't know if it's going to have the same magic because it's not current anymore. There's something awesome about indie wrestling when you're watching it with with current eyes and with a feel for what's going on in that moment. Uh, I think PWG definitely works best like that. And PWG you can keep up with a lot easier because they don't do as many shows as a lot of these other companies. Um, Game Changer Wrestling, the same. You know, they, they're, they're big shows. Um, I think all of them are, are on, uh, like, the fight.tv at the moment. Um, and they'll, they'll probably only have, you know, what, five or six really big must-see shows a year. There's some other, like, smaller stuff that you don't necessarily have to keep up with everything. But, um, yeah, it, it's not insane to keep up with either of those companies. Moving on to, like, AAW, I'll kind of uh, keep up with them on a mainly on a, like, real big show basis or if there's something that looks like it'll be real good. Um, like, I watched that first show they had in Austin, uh, which I, I would recommend. I watched some of their, their bigger shows at the Logan Square Auditorium, which I would also recommend. Um, I actually got to attend one of those – or two of those shows – Oh, nice, nice. Uh, one yeah. of, is that the one with the, the sweet, uh, insane Lucha Tag Dream Match? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to see the, the that uh, Lucha Tag Match. Uh, that was all in weekend. That was yeah. ex- That was just incredible, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to that, – that, those shows were really good. I mean, the AEW crowd is, a, is, a, is an awesome crowd, and they just – there's a lot of fun stuff, like – AC Romero coming out to I Just Want to Use Your Love Tonight is oh. like a highlight for me in 2018. One of the greatest theme themes for 2018, uh, closely followed <laughs> by um, Tony Deppin's theme music, which I also want to get um, give credit to in uh, um, GCW. Also seeing um, Sammy Callahan almost create a literal riot in real life where we thought he might get killed was pretty epic. Uh which I don't know if they're still running Logan Square. They were talking about kicking them out at the time during that show back in September. So I don't know what's happening with that. To um, me, he was the heel of the year in the U.S. Like everyone puts over Chompa real big, but I don't think anybody was really hated as much as Sammy Callahan. Like people, all the internet smarts like oh, this guy's a fucking dick. He needs to apologize to Eddie Edwards. Like, <laughs> the guys, the guys, we're gonna fucking angle you, fucking idiots. Yeah. The one thing that yeah, everyone get... wants 
Everyone wants guess, people to be realistic in wrestling, and when somebody does, guy's an actual prick or comes off as one. Exactly. Like, hey. Yeah, Greg Greg Valentine needed to uh, apologize to Wahoo publicly. Yeah, just so <laughs> everyone knows. <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper needed to, to apologize to fucking everybody. Like, <laughs> where would wrestling be? I don't get it. Uh, but yeah, I, in I definitely... my year, I've, I've been really lucky because I've had. Up here in Washington, we've had like consistently awesome shows with Defy. Mm-hmm. Uh, other local company, Three Two One, has really come into its own. Like they mm-hmm. get really hot talent and always really put on great shows. So, and then you know, kind of curate and pick and choose which shows I want to watch. Or Chris will pick something out that we want to discuss on the show. And he normally, I'll end up watching the whole show. He suggests, even though we pick a couple <laughs> matches to watch, but I'll watch the entire show and. Like the show I watched uh, today for GCW, one of the most entertaining matches I've ever seen in my life, Kikitaro and Orange Cassidy. <laughs> I mean, holy shit, dude. You got to watch this, Josh. It's one of the funnest matches. Kikitaro's working heel, and it's ridiculous. It's just so fun. Uh, but yeah, it's just been a tremendous, a hugely eclectic year for wrestling. Like, yeah. everyone pressing yeah. down, these really interesting things going on, whether you like that shit or not, like... I personally, I don't give a fuck. As long as people are entertained, I don't care what you're doing. It's like so there's something I, for everybody. At times. Exactly, exactly. It's ice cream flavors, like Quackenbush always said. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what's funny is like I go to a lot of indie shows here. Like I would say um, we're starting to get Evolve shows again, which we haven't had in a while. But like we have FIP and we obviously we have like the Largo Loop with NXT, stuff like that. We have a couple other local companies. But I would say in the Tampa area – Getting a bit of MLW these days. I can't get out to those shows. They're on Thursdays in Orlando, Uh. which is about two hours away because my my job. But you're right. MLW, bro, the stuff Loki's doing in MLW is excellent. Yeah, so much stuff in MLW is excellent. Like just the whole production, like the the presenting a show that's like both a throwback, like to those, you know, early 90s WCW, like even like throwback to the uh, later 80s. Uh, Crockett. For like some in reason, terms of the pre- it, gives me, it gives me ECW feels. Yeah, but at, that's what I'm saying. At the same time, you get like ECW vibes, and it, the work rate and the guys that they use are so current to the current day as well. So it's it's all of these things, and you know, obviously the voice of Tony Schiavone, uh, everything. It's all all great. Yes, I can't. Say and some amazing merchandise they have. Oh yeah, beautiful T-shirt designs. I don't yeah. Know oh yeah, you you've done some of that, right? Yeah, I've done a bunch of shirts for them. They keep hitting me up. I'm uh, working on something else here right now. I fucking forget. Oh, uh, shit. That escapes me. But yeah, four <laughs> hits me up all the time. Uh, fucking getting... We just did that um, thing for the Half Foundation. I so. was going to say, I wanted to give give props to that sweet, uh, like, real retro classic style uh, Heart Foundation tee that you did. Great design. Dude, the one I thought was funny is Court wanted one that was just like the ECFNW, but MLFNW. Was yeah. Like, <laughs> All right, cool. I dig it. I can do that pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> but we, um, it, it's interesting because, like, here in Florida, you know, you go to these local shows and it's, uh, oh, we get kaiju too. But we go to local shows and it's like, you know, your local guys. You, like, and what I'm talking about is the crowd. It's like you go to the these shows and it's, it's the guys you know, people, people that are wrestling fans. But then you go to these bigger shows like WrestleMania weekend or like when we were at AW during uh All In weekend. And it's a it's this like festival vibe. Like people are yes. dressed up like they're going to a freaking like hardcore band concert or something and they got tons of pins and like these like, you know, jean jackets and it's like a different energy. Mm. And it's like, dude, I wanna be a part of that, you know? 
Yeah, that was one of the coolest parts about being there for uh, Mania Weekend in New Orleans. Like, just going to all of those uh, different eclectic shows. And, yeah, it's like a, a, a big-time music festival. And it's just like, oh, what stage are you going to now? Like, <laughs> each different show is just yeah. a different stage. It's it's just a celebration of wrestling, and it's, it's awesome. Like, I, I don't even think, like, this coming year I'm going to actually go to Mania. I'm just there to go to, like, all of the other things and, and just celebrate my love for wrestling with, with uh, other folks and meet awesome people and have good chats. Wait, are you like, going to WrestleMania weekend? Yeah, yeah, man, for real. I yep. did not know you were going. I'm going to be there. That's awesome. we awesome. got to meet up for sure. Hell for yeah, sure. dude. For real. So, Chris, I my plan, I was thinking about not actually going to Mania either. Maybe just, like, kicking it into Airbnb or something, fucking just watching it. Yeah, that yeah. might be a good plan. Yeah. Just, just Yo, you smoke guys can, it up. You guys can stay with the Social Suplex crew if you want to because we're looking for people to, like, you know, do that with, basically. Uh, I, I think, think John Kraft already hooked up, the, hooked yeah. up an Airbnb. Yeah, accommodation-wise, he, he I think we're all immediately. Sorted. Yeah, yeah, we're also yeah. He's a planner. We we love John. Shout outs to John Kraft back home. Yes, sir. <laughs> Fine, then just edit this off of the podcast, and I won't feel <laughs> yeah, so bad. No, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> editing <laughs> anything. <laughs> but no, honestly, dude, uh, 2018. I think it's in a weird way, kind of like a uh, a transitional year for wrestling in general. Like we have the big move with all the guys from all uh, elite wrestling, you know, mm-hmm. they, they could have gone wherever they wanted and they've decided, you know, bank on themselves and start this new project. And, and that all that's happened in 2018, right? It was all of that yeah. success of Absolutely. all in, which was crazy at the time, you know, when those tickets were about to go on sale, I remember being so hopeful, but also being scared, you know, cause this is setting the benchmark for, for where this is going to be. You know, if they're, they're going to sell 4,000 tickets, you know, that'd be pretty lofty. I don't think an independent group sold 4,000 tickets for a long time. Uh, you know, they're going to maybe get it to 5,000. Who knows? And then they just fucking hit it out of the ballpark and sell that motherfucker out in record time. Um, and and that know, created it all. When my show first started, it started roughly about a year ago. And on our first episode, we started talking about the U.S. expansion of New Japan because me and Jeremy uh, Donovan, we're like, where do we start with the New Japan podcast? I don't know. So let's talk about, you know, what's coming up. And obviously with All In kind of being this big target, that was something we talked about extensively. And all year covering New Japan, we're talking about, you know, these elite guys. And eventually we actually, you know, we got tickets, we got to go to it, but to watch it be like, is this really happening to, okay, it's really happening, but where is it? We don't know anything. Then suddenly it's like, oh, it's happening. Here it is, Chicago. And then the tickets sold out in 30 minutes and it was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone had to step back and be like, whoa, what do we got on our hands here? And then, you know, fast forward to the actual show. And it was, the whole thing was just like a celebration of alternative wrestling it's like a celebration of of what what wrestling can be when it's presented on a big stage uh not from one new york territory you know it's the best wrestling show i've ever been to live by far um i think the one critic well two criticisms one if they had and it's not that they made a mistake but if if i think if they had known how high the the demand was going to be, they probably could have actually run a bigger like uh, arena. Yeah, they, they sh- really should have run the the other um, big time arena in Chicago, right? 
to. They probably should have because they probably would have sold that out. Like, yeah, that's but how you never know. Like was. we were saying, how how lofty you it never know. was to what they were going for, and then for them to do that. Hindsight's like, twenty twenty. Exactly, it's hard. But but the other thing that I would criticize is the audio for the show because I've watched it back, uh, you know, on like New Japan World and on uh, my Honor Club subscription, and it does not do justice to how loud and how boisterous that crowd was Mm. it does not come across on the taping at all that crowd was lit from the first like from before the show even started to after the show was over for like 30 minutes still it was just like it felt like wrestlemania to me i was like wow this is indie wrestlemania because i've never been to a show where the where the, the energy in the crowd was like this it was like a spiritual experience like I've been to concerts that didn't feel this energetic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, John told us the same thing. He was there in person. Um, I mean, even just because because I watched it live on pay per view, and you could feel that there was just a palpable emotion in the building, and that everyone was just so up for everything. Um, so you could definitely feel that, and that translated. But the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I know that they're even louder than this. So I think that was what created kind of a bit of the excitement. But I, I thought all in all that the show was great um, and it was fun uh, and, and fun in a way that, that so much of uh, big time wrestling isn't. Uh, that was just so refreshing. Yes. And I think that is why everyone's so on board and so excited uh, with the announcement that we had just uh, this is past week of all in wrestling actually being a thing. And it was funny because we got the the sort of rumors and stuff come out when they were, um, you know, uh, doing the copyright stuff for these these um, brand names. So we, we knew basically that, you know, All In was going to be a thing. Double or Nothing was going to be a thing. Potential TV show of Tuesday Night Dynamite. Um, but then to actually get it sort of put in concrete, like actually, yeah, this is legit now. Everyone's so excited. And it's it's great. Um I mean, with the, it comes to the New Japan side of things and the ROH side of things, it'll be interesting to see how things move forward on that avenue. But um, the, you know, even well, if they completely uh, leave based off of what it looked like on New Year's Dash, I think the, the biggest news off of New Year's Dash, uh, you were asking earlier, um, Jeremy, yeah. like the biggest thing was basically who wasn't on the show, more so than what actually happened on the show. And obviously oh, yeah. the Bucks, Cody... Kenny, Jericho, and Marty was the big surprise to me. Um, and Hangman. Were not, oh, yeah, and Hangman. Um, yeah, we're, we're not on the show at all. Uh, hmm. So interesting to see what happens going forward. I heard of a bit of a rumors of a meeting between representatives of New yeah. Japan, ROH, and All In um, the day of that show. So I don't know. But at the same time, like, if the Elite are gone – from New Japan and ROH, I think it's not a bad thing for either company, and I think it's exciting for both companies the the fresh coat of paint that they're getting out of their <clears throat> absence. Dude, and also those spots that need to get filled. That's just going to be there's going to be a lot of guys and wrestlers who are you know looking to make their jump to possibly go over to Japan. They're going to get that opportunity. There's lots of guys you see over here in LA, you know, at the dojo. Plenty of guys going to maybe 
get a chance to get a fucking tour, uh, then guys have to come up here on the U.S. scene and fill mm. those spots as well. So it's always like a resurgence. It's actually kind of beautiful. A lot of people complain when guys get signed for the WWE or they, you know, go to New Japan. Like, But it's really tremendous for the opportunities for all these other guys who I'm not even being held down, but there's no top spot if that guy's still working there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'll agree with you every every moment. Like, when, when the group of guys are leaving, it's just that next opportunity for either the guys that are already there, you know, like uh, biggest one being Jay White. I think his time has fucking come, and I'm very excited for it. Um, yeah. You know, all about this. Like, whenever someone goes, it's, it's that next spot. The one uh, territory of 2018 that I will say is a bit different to that and I'm not so enthusiastic about uh, how they're going to replace that talent is what's happening in the UK. Um, but I don't know you guys' thoughts on that. We might uh, cover what we're talking about right now and maybe jump onto that in a, in a brief moment. So, yeah, I would say um, I'm definitely – I mean I have nerves about – what AEW will or won't be. I mean, there's so many people that are like more savvy to this business side of things than I am. And they kind of have a vision for what this may or may not be. And they're talking about like the, the backward, like the dealings and the TV deals that might be coming up and all the contract negotiations. And I'm just like, I'm over here sitting like, I just hope it succeeds. I hope that an alternative rises up and I hope that this is a good thing for the wrestling business and for these guys taking this gamble. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, for real. Uh, right. It's it's the one bit of it that's weird to me and where I was sort of thinking we'd probably have a working relationship between ROH and New Japan, you know, both because that was what was a big part of the success of the big all in show. Um, but that I, I mean, can you guys see all elite, running a full-time schedule, full-time house show schedule, all that. I I don't see that being the path for success, but I don't know. You know, I didn't necessarily – I mean, I'm not a businessman. I don't know this industry like – like I'm not a promoter. You know what I mean? Yeah. But sure. when this – when I was first talking to friends of mine about what this hypothetically could be, I was like, well, what – and I didn't know if TV was on the – you know, on the horizon or not. But I was like, what if they were doing all in type shows like maybe 12 times a year, sort of like, let's say if it was a super PWG, basically they took the PWG concept, but they're doing it in arenas around the country in big metropolitan areas where they have large fan bases. Yeah. And then they, and then they ran pay-per-views off that or I pay-per-view or stream or whatever it is. I was like, that could be something that hypothetically could work. And if they were doing something like that, and instead of it being a weekly TV show, but it's a big indie super show 12 times a year, then ROH or Impact or, you know, CMLL or whoever it is that's working with them isn't going to feel like they're in direct competition because it's a different business model. You know, you're not running that same town on the same weekend as a big ROH show, for example. Right. If you look at their Twitter account, actually, the the logic is there because – the majority of the accounts they're following are the wrestlers, of course, within the company already, but also big arenas throughout the country. Like one of them is Key Arena up here in Seattle is one of them. And I think one over in uh, Philadelphia. So there's like eight different arenas they're following right now. So that might be the way they're going as far as it appears. Well, here, here's another thing, too, to think about it, because um, I do think ultimately they need a TV deal. And the reason I say that, and it's just because more 
people are more educated about this than me have said, these guys aren't getting into this so that they can make a few bucks promoting. Yeah. They're doing it so that they can basically become a mega power and take that gamble and create a viable long-term content creating, uh, you know, business. So, I and mean, that they was have one of have... the big lessons of 2018, right? Like this is becoming more so than an old school house show attendance business. This is becoming a business right. where you get that big chunky TV contract that's worth millions of dollars and that's where you get your money from for that content creation but, that's going to be on TV. But also think about this, you know, WWE is a, a, a weekly episodic TV show. We know that. But then who's their main competition when it comes to television rights and all that? It's the UFC. Mm. UFC is not a company that that is running weekly episodic fights. They do a couple times a month and yeah, it works for them. And stuff. What if what if a wrestling company took the similar model to like say a UFC and instead of running like weekly television or whatever they're running big UFC or big pay-per-view style shows all year long and then that way they're not basically competing with these other companies that they want to borrow from or or whatever I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen I don't I'm not even saying I'm predicting that but I'm saying I don't see why that couldn't work necessarily yeah. i mean i i don't i think we're past the point of where it's even relevant to do a weekly wrestling tv show where you have like big matches that you know otherwise should be on pay-per-view and you have you know your big talking segment at the start like this is all shit that's just flow over from the fucking attitude era um that like they just do because that's what they've done um i think we're at a stage where people can't don't want to consume that much wrestling because there's so much wrestling out there. I think you're better off with like a weekly product that's more uh, on the same feel as something like being the elite. I think that's like been a huge learning thing in 2018 as well to where it's like people just want a show that's not too long that they can easily digest. That's like some, you know, fun thing to promote storylines. you got your bit of comedy. you got some um, different show angles that are go on but you don't actually present in-ring wrestling within the context of that and then maybe you well, just keep the, the look at the nwa the big shows yeah exactly billy's been doing a fucking great job with that yeah wwe at this point is the show's boring because they're a slave to the advertisers like they're doing the three-hour show because they're pretty much contracted to keep doing it That's you know they would love to go back down to two hours uh, they they can't offer enough content within the time frame they're doing shit with interviews with plants in the audience they got stupid isn't it, Lucha isn't House it amazing party. how much shit they would give to wcw back in the day for doing their three-hour show and i can almost yep. guarantee that you watch one of those wcw three-hour shows like now on the network it's going to be a more fun watch than if you watch raw on monday maybe may, maybe for like the cringe factor i don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh i love me some wcw there's oh. good wrestling in there too heck yeah oh no i i love i love wcw but what the three-hour format was like mainly the 2000 era right i think oh, it, it was yeah, it, 99 troll, 99 was when they really did it by the time they got to 2000 they cut it back to to two hours i think that's right that's right yeah 99 is still rough too i'm not gonna lie like that was when I, it there's all definitely fell down. yeah but um, yeah, this like it's just funny like how we can jump around from top to topic to topic because there's so many things that happened this year that 
like I, didn't, I when I came on here with you guys, I didn't even think about any of this. And then you were like, oh yeah, the UK scene. And I'm like, oh yeah, the whole UK scene like <laughs> right? imploded this year. <laughs> I didn't write much down, but that was one of the things I had written down. And, and I didn't want to talk about it when it actually happened, because I think uh, the show that Jeremy and I did probably like, you know, we do it every two week type of thing. And by the time it was going to come out, so many motherfuckers had talked about it to death that the last thing I wanted to talk about was what was going on in the UK. But looking back well, now... Well, I got to tell you that, like, I wanted to hear your guys' take on it more than most people's, to be honest. And I was waiting for it, and it uh, never came. Well, now's your time, friend. Feel <laughs> <laughs> <Still> it, Chris. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's... We were looking uh quite closely at the the uk scene like sort of before this went down i mean we did like an episode where we really i watched like fucking almost six months worth of rev pro um and they've got some great stuff going on great company oh i love it like in terms of just a super dream match super indie type of thing it's almost like I love it for the same reason why I used to love like ROH back in the early 2000s because they would just build up and yeah. give you those big super fucking matches um, that no one else would. And being able to see, you know, like top ROH guys uh, presented uh, against top level UK guys or like top level UK guys against New Japan talent or like New Japan I top talent OTT against PWG now. guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, OTT did great stuff um, in, in 2018 as well. I um, mean, they had that fucking awesome um, Osprey-Walter match uh, in addition Woo. to a bunch of other great stuff. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there's a lot of great stuff going on over there. And then there is the stuff to where it's like you can see the signs of that UK scene, like the bubble bursting. Uh, I think progress is maybe an example of that. I mean... Uh, to me, progress was. I, I used to love me some progress, you know, um, and they still put on some some great content. But it's hard for me to want to watch their stuff now, knowing that like that WWE agreement. You know what I mean? Like it's it almost like it. It's like they're presenting themselves I mean, as like indie wrestling, and their fucking you know tagline of like punk rock pro wrestling. It's like, right? How are you fucking punk rock pro wrestling when you're in bed with uh, with fucking Junior over here? You know. Well, you know, I was at the WWN show in Evolve where they basically started bringing in the WWE guys. Yeah. Um, and I was there, and it was such a weird vibe because it felt like a lot of even some of the wrestlers didn't really know what was going on, and a lot of them did, but they had to like be hush hush and then it was like it very it became very apparent real quick that it's like oh evolve is never gonna be what it was after this day like this is literally the start of them being the feeder league to to nxt which you know and it's a smart business move it makes sense for gabe and i get why they're doing it but for people that that certain subsect of fan that were like that loved what evolve was in the mm -hmm. u.s which was it was kind of like the contemporary to to what you were mentioning with um, RevPro, they kind of f filled that void, you I mean, know, I in loved, the Midwest. I loved Evolve back when they were all about like the actual, like almost like an underground grappling presentation. The you records. Know, with your, your Timothy Thatcher, uh, you know, Roderick Strong was doing awesome shit. Chris Hero was just fucking killing it. Uh, right. You know, Oni Lorcan, uh, Biff Busick back in the day was an amazing, 
doing amazing stuff there. Same with uh, Tracy Williams uh, with the whole catch point thing. And, um, well, you know, they, they, they got depleted so many times and they had yeah. to restructure so many times that eventually it became to a point where it's like they can't keep doing this. And so that's I get why, you know, Gabe did what he did. Um, and, and, and you know what? It might be better for their business because they are putting they're still putting on some awesome shows now with with it kind of being a crossover between NXT. But it's not what it was. How's the and attendance that, down there looking with the new you know, using these WWE NXT feeder teams and putting them over as the face of the company. Well, where they run here is uh, the Orpheum, and the Orpheum is basically a nightclub that's, I mean... And it's not too it's big. Always pr- no, it's not big, and I mean, it's never a big crowd. I mean, you're talking 100, 150 people max most Even of the time. Even now using so. NXT talent. Yeah, but there's only been one or two shows so far. Uh, the other one was been an FIP show, so it's not that big difference. Uh, it's yeah. I think where they draw the bigger crowds like New York and you know, Philly places like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was hard for me. Like that was sort of a bit of pill to swallow, because I was like saying like such a big fan of ROH back in the day when Gabe was the man. Um, even going into like Dragon Gate USA, I was like really on board with that for the the first like three or so three or four years um and then yeah, yeah like these glory days of, of evolve i was a big fan and then it's just like almost now looking at it i'm like i'm just this, this isn't the product that i want out of independent wrestling i don't Keep know following uh, Heyman's footsteps man he's you gotta start your own company and then get in bed with the wwe that's <laughs> he, he, he learned it from paul you have to keep well, that relationship secret motherfucker that is paul's there, secret there will <laughs> yeah. always be there will always be talent on the U.S. indie scene. That's undeniable. But the the reality is, the the scene that was here three or four years ago, they're all in 205. They're all in NXT. They're all on the main roster. Mm-hmm. Yep. It literally is all the indie guys that we had. They went to WWE, all of them. <laughs> and um, that's what's happening in the U.K. too. Like, and people yeah. are kind of acting like they're being blind to it. And it's it's it, it, they're. It's just WWE running the old playbook from the '80s. What yep. they did with the promoters back then. Hey, we want to, we want to, we want to partner with you. We want to showcase your talent. We want to help build you up. And then they killed them all. Yeah, lure them in on the hopes of, hey, look, we can all be successful together. And then, oh yeah, we're taking your TV deal and uh, taking all your top talent. And good luck to you. Good luck to you. I, I remember I was at um I was at All In and I was with a group of wrestling fans that were maybe not as old as me and then also maybe not as like they 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 just didn't know the history of the business that maybe the way some of us who lived through it kind of understand it and so you know they always say you know to like the victor rewrites history basically mm-hmm. and so they were talking to me about like the territory days and they were saying that Vince saved the territories (laughs) (laughs) because, because all these promoters were going to go out of business and he came in, he basically paid them off and like, you know, saved their talent and saved their product. You know that, that Vince jr. He took the wrestling out of those smoky arenas. Those those smoky yes. arenas where people were just smoking in there, and he he turned it into a, a booming product. And smoking, <laughs> yeah, he, he that no, literally, Chris, the kind of vernacular you're using, like the terminology, which comes literally from 
you know, WWF produced DVDs. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff these kids were saying. And I'm like, guys, no, they killed wrestling. <laughs> they killed wrestling. You like, you've never seen Portland. You don't know anything about Portland. Like yeah, you, don't, you don't know you don't Don know. Owens motherfucker. <laughs> like, like you've never seen mid South. Never like, seen you don't Memphis. Understand. The magic of Memphis wrestling. Fucking Houston. Like, wrestling like, was, ugh. Wrestling was different from what WWF was. Like wrestling was this glorious thing where there was like fifty states and they all had their own style, their own stars, and and Vince did kill it for yeah. better or for worse. And like, I mean, to look say at just the amount saved... of guys that could feed their families from wrestling in like nineteen eighty two versus the amount of guys that can feed their families off of a wrestling contract in even you know, with all of these crazy stuff going on, even in 2018. Like, it's not comparable at all. One thing that makes yeah. me nervous is you think about with the territories, and I don't know if it's a perfect analogy. I don't want to be too much of a downer, but it's like 85, 86, business is up everywhere. Everybody's doing excellent. 88, it's dead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's and a it's few, like, a few what outliers. Like, you know, Portland struggled on a little bit longer. Memphis struggled on a little bit longer. But yeah, for the most part, it's uh, presenting a, a you know big flashy product on uh, network TV and plucking all of those stars that were were there and taking them away. That's it, and that's exactly what they're looking to do in the UK. Um, there's a lot of UK WWE apologists out there that I, I heard a lot from. You know, Pete Dunne had quite a few uh, messages saying, this guy isn't falling, you guys are just dramatizing this, it's still going to be great, next guys are going to stand up, it's going to be awesome, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know, I think that's maybe too much rose-colored glasses and people need to learn from history when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, they used to have taller tent posts, and now they keep on locking them down, have to put them back up with these not nearly as bright stars that Evolve was awesome, and now all their top, or for a while, they were all the, the champions were NXT guys. It just seems like a fun, puts a weird taste in my mouth, even. Like, and I love the WWE. I always, I was for them helping out Evolve and progress, you know, help prop them up. But clearly, those products are suffering at this point. Yeah, like early on when WWE was, was given the shout outs to Evolve on like their website, and when they were doing those really, uh, you know, well um, attended shows at like Laboom and, and stuff like that. Like it seemed like it was a good thing. Um, but then like we're saying, as soon as they take all of that talent away, it's no longer uh, an exciting product that I want to watch anymore. Um, but yeah, like Jeremy kind of, a lot of this has been kind of Josh and I just, you know, rah, but I mean, do do you kind of agree or are you a bit more like maybe uh, could be a good thing in the UK or where are you at on this? I, I definitely do see – I don't see it as a death knell per se. I, it's not yeah. positive by any means. It, they are suffering. Like The top talk of wrestling even in 2017 going into 2018 was the UK scene. Like That's all anyone could talk about. Yeah. And now they're just kind of being a feeder system for WWE, NXT UK. Uh, guys are like not being able to work shows because they have these stupid contracts that don't allow them to do so because there's other TV product. and. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Not even be able to I, work certain guys. guys, like from from other competition groups. Like you have certain that's, guys that aren't allowed to work there. That's my problem. Yeah. Like, like one thing I will say, I think when it when the news first came out, everybody went into panic mode. And the reality is, once it became more apparent what these contracts were, 
they were a lot less restrictive than people thought that they were going to be. And also, when they first signed the UK guys, every the first time, like when they first started, you know, the, the UK tournament, a similar thing like this happened, but on a smaller scale, and everyone panicked, and it turned out to kind of blow over. Yeah, and, and like some the of guys this, were still I, able to work everywhere, and it wasn't even a thing. But yeah, this second, and I think some of this still different. might blow over to some degree. Um, but at the end of the day, one thing that is bothersome is a lot of these guys will work in companies where they're not going to be able to wrestle anyone for, who's not from WWE without like approval. So, you know, like for instance, like Neville or Pac or whatever, he's not going to wrestle any of these guys, you know, or, yeah. you know, Zack Saber Jr. He's not going to wrestle any of these guys or, uh, that sort of thing. So it, it is, it's just really weird. I don't know how you, how they kind of like, tr you know, if you're a promoter and you're trying to get your product over and you want to pop, you know, your numbers by bringing a, a Tyler Bate or a Pete Dunn on, but you can't actually build a real storyline scenario around it. Because you can't put them on your streaming service. Right. So how does this work? You know, I mean, how does it benefit you? And how about like, how about this one? Trent Seven's promotion, Fight Club Pro, he's not able to work their biggest show in history that they're running in fucking Cork and Hall. <laughs> yeah, you hear that they just uh, they just signed a uh, uh, agreement to partner officially with DDT. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was interesting. I mean, with them having but, um, um, Daisuke Sekimoto was like a big part of their shows, also with Mako Satomura. Um, they've always been pretty proactive with working with different groups. So, I mean, I hope that being with DDT doesn't prevent them from still being able to to get that other great talent from uh, around the Japanese scene but it'll be interesting to see how it goes but but you know they they kind of um a lot of guys were like listen you know the UK scene is fine there's so much talent that's out there and blah 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 and that's that's all well and good but it's like if you hoard <laughs> all you hoard all the talent and you take it to one place historically it's always made it that much harder for guys coming up behind them it's it's a disruption to the natural order of mm. how a company should run. Yeah, if you're you cherry-picking and choosing guys, you know, you take this guy and then a couple, you know, six months later you take that guy, it's okay because you can repopulate. If you just come in and take fucking everybody that's worth <laughs> money, swap it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> then you're in trouble. <laughs> we can, uh, we're going to take your main event and your main event, and yeah, we'll take your main event too, and we're done. <laughs> But then, you know the weirdest part about this? You think that they'd do all that, and then they'd come in just guns a-blazing with this NXT UK WWE show, and they'd just be popping insane houses for these TV tapings. They'd be doing record crowds. They're not. They're not. It's the fucking opposite. Like, they were, they're not happy at all from what I've uh, I've read uh, with the numbers that they're doing with the, um, the TV tapings. And... Well, you know what it is? Mm -hmm. it, it's because... WWE for better or for worse, and I, I'm not a WWE hater. Like I don't want to come off that way, but the truth of the matter is they are so produced and so streamlined that they mm -hmm. can come off as very homogenized. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like those television tapings, um, they're starting from scratch too. So you kind of, as a, if you're like a network watcher, you have to give them some leeway because it's like the early days of NXT. Basically, it's a new promotion for better or for worse with no background. Yeah. So yeah, no angles. All these characters are just straight up presentation right away. It's exactly yeah, it's hard to jump in immediately. Exactly. Mm. And the, I've I've watched some of those episodes. 
they're all good, but there's nothing to catch you yet. Like they're not at the status of like where NXT was when they started doing takeovers. You yeah. know, it's not they're not there's nothing there yet. like must and, see match of the year kind of noteworthy shit. It's like, oh yeah, it's good. Well, there there actually there actually have been some matches that I would highly recommend. Like every now and again they have a main event that is like really under the radar, but as far as like compelling television they're not there yet and then because it's so homogenized from what the uk audience has been getting plus they've been been, they've been able to pay way less for years to watch the same guys be in better programs yeah better promotions they're they're fighting an uphill battle and they're gonna they're gonna do this if they try to go into any of these other countries if they try to go to japan or mexico or Germany, they're going to have this same issue every time. Yeah, because the the success of these promotions, uh, like in these various parts of the world, are based on them presenting an exciting product that is is unique and and fresh for that actual market, and unique and, and fresh. Yeah, and they they're not what the you know WWE does. Um, you know, like we're saying that they're, uh, they're gentrifying the UK's wrestling. Exactly. That's the best uh, best way of describing it for me. Like it's they and even their in ring style, like there's a homogenization that happens to it. You know, you take these yes. really exciting, you know, different in ring um, styles that a lot of these guys have and whenever they go there you see that, that unique selling point of their their wrestling uh, is is not really there anymore. You know, it's it's just sort of they had Man, They've created war. cookie cutter wrestling, man. They've, I, again, I'm not, I'm a fan of the product, but they have, they've tried to make everything so similar. So as soon as you turn on any WWE TV, you immediately know it, it's their product. Mm. You look at their belt, so, yeah, the this, same. this is the way this, we do, do it things up here, pal. It, yeah. It's Starbucks, guys. Like I, yeah. I worked for Starks yeah. for a long time, and everyone loves Starbucks, and they're great. But like the whole deal is when you work there and you're a barista, they're like, the idea is doesn't matter what starbucks you go to you're getting the same product because it's yep. uniform mm-hmm. and then comes you out know, of a fucking versus, machine yep versus you go to like this uptown like hole in the wall like little cafe and they have freaking excellent like self-roasted coffee it's like a totally Single different origins. thing it's like unique yep craft and baristas mustaches. oh yeah <laughs> and face yeah. hats you got to have some yeah, face yeah. hats in a good hipster cafe <laughs> <laughs> they um they had Wild Boar on UK and NXT UK and like he came off like just a guy and mm. I was like oh my god or like and he was so uh, unique like the first time I saw Wild Boar in progress I was like there is no yes. one quite like this guy in all of wrestling this is great and then yeah to take all of that what makes him special away it's like oh yeah this is what I expected Laguero just comes off like just a guy mm-hmm. like a lot of these. A lot of them do. A lot of the guys just come off like, what's your gimmick? You're from the UK and you wrestle and that's about it. And they're missing what – the thing is like the only guys that really have established characters and it took all this time to get them there is like the Mustache Mountain guys, you mm-hmm. know? And it took three years to get them there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite similar to um, like there was a big boom with WWE in Mexico. Uh, quite a few years back when they, they first came in, got big-time TV on the networks down there, and they were like real competition for AAA and um, CMLL uh, back then. Like Super Astros or some shit? 
Uh, no, no, uh, sort of after that. No. I'm thinking like mm, late 2000s, probably like 2006, oh, okay. 2007. But yeah, Super Astros is kind of relevant as well, more for like the, the Mexican product for the American audience. Um, yep. But yeah, this time where they really got into Mexico and were like really doing their best to put um, CMLL and AAA out of business, they were getting huge ratings and you definitely saw um, CMLL and AAA uh, kind of fall by the wayside at the time and their attendance were heard as well. Anytime WWE would come into town, their attendance would be cut in half uh, because everyone spends their money to see the big uh, Disney production, you know. Um, but then fast forward a, a few years to now, uh, I think last uh, WWE tour they ran in, in Mexico City was quite so-so. I don't think they even sold out the venue. Uh, CMLL had a show, I'm pretty, it was either the same night or the night after, and they did one of their best crowds of the year. And it's because you can see that, that crowd, uh, like, all right, this is what WWE does, but that's not necessarily what we want out of our wrestling when it comes to a local product. So I think that's a good kind of benchmark for the way I see a lot of this happening you know they might get into a market it's all exciting and shiny to start with but then you watch it for a little while and it just lacks a substance you know it's more like the yeah, disney on ice that you want to see once a year but anything more than that it's like oh okay and, there and are then, you know what towns where starbucks has moved in and it did not work they there have been starbucks that have closed up shop because the local product they people still wanted to support it so it can't happen I think ultimately, if you want my honest opinion, I I believe whether it's 10 years from now or however long, we will see a day where they're going to have a foothold in every major market. I just believe that because I think that's the vision and I think that's what they want to do. And I think that they've got the the guys in the company who know how to do it. One day we will see an NXT Japan and we'll see an NXT Mexico and an NXT Germany and an NXT Spain or whatever, like in Australia, like. I think we will get to that point, period, like in Canada. Like, I really think we will. Well, I think the variable on whether they can do that or not, because I think there is a big question mark, and it all comes off of uh, how much WWE wants it to be a WWE product versus how much WWE is like, look, we know it has to be different for this market, and you can make it whatever you need it to be um, and just give up that that crazy over-control over mindset that WWE has been, been famous for. If they can just let you know, what their presentation of that territory is going to be, you know, let it be what the people want it to be, then um, sure, I could see them having a, a lot of success. But, like, I don't know. I can't really see that. I mean, I think I think Triple H at Paul, whatever you want to call him, I think that <laughs> – I think Uncle he Paul. is a sm- – I think he's a smart enough businessman to realize that like what Vince wanted to do all those years ago and basically say we're going to destroy all of our competition didn't work because every time they destroyed their competition, someone just sprang up. Look at what's happening right now at the cons. I mean literally if someone has enough money and they're willing to invest, all they got to do is sign a check and and you're right back where you were. Um, so I think that with that, like I think ultimately, yes – WWE wants to run everything, but I think what Triple H's vision is, well, we'll just take, we'll just basically incorporate these people and take over them. And I think that that's much more attainable and doable than the old method of running them out of business and then taking all their, you know, profit share. Yeah. It'll be uh, interesting to see do. how the ideologies change with the next generation. Um, like the Borg. 
eventually they'll just assimilate everybody, all one collective mind. <laughs> Scary as hell. Way to go, Josh. How about how about how crazy this is? Because I know that you guys talk about a lot of crash and a lot of lucha on your show. How about like AAA and CMLL working together this year, Dude. or not working together, but like letting guys work yes. in both companies? Oh, uh, I that's a great point that you brought up. I actually didn't have that written down, but I think that's a really ridiculously newsworthy thing. Uh, we we touched on it before about just how amazing it is to see. Uh, CMLL actually using guys that are working currently for AAA, like that's unprecedented. Uh, before I never thought this I'd year. see it. It's insane. I mean, like we we're saying, it's it's exactly like if uh, you know, guy was was concurrently working for WWF and WCW and you know ECW every now and then, and they're all okay with Rick, it. Rick Root did it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a span of a week or something. <laughs> RVD was, what, Mr. Monday Night there for a while as well. You know what? I always wondered about that. Like, I remember this flippy guy showing up one time, and I was, and he called himself Mr. Monday Night, and then he disappeared, and I was like, who was that guy? And <laughs> years later, I was like, oh, that was Rob Van Dam. <laughs> but, but, yeah, like, for Mexico, I mean, the, the big guy that I feel like is responsible for most of it is L.A. Park. And who's had as Absolutely. good of a fucking year in wrestling everywhere as, as LA park. Like he's, he's had fucking some of the best matches in arena Mexico this year. Just these wild out of control brawls that I haven't seen this side of like Bruiser Brody and Terry Funk. Um, like he's, he's had a, a great, uh, main event in uh, the main event of triple mania, uh, winning the mask of El, um, El Io del Fantasmo. Um, and like, he's just been killing it. And yeah, he's such a, independent guy you know he doesn't want to be working you know for a company per se he'll work with them but he's not working for them again exactly like bruiser brody that same mentality um and he's just been killing it and the companies can see hey this guy's fucking money we do like double our attendance when he works for us versus when he doesn't so we're going to be big-headed and say no we don't want you because you don't want to commit to us all the way or we're going to use you and they do and then that opened the door to your um Pentagon Junior, uh, to your Phoenix, like, and it's it's been great. I mean, it's interesting to see how that's affected the local guys there, and sort of, I wonder what their mindset is of these, um, you know, local CMLO guys that are there on every show, and they're just trying to move up that card, and then they have these fucking guys from AAA come over and take <laughs> that spot. Um, mm. and and then we see like a, I heard a dude, the story before. Well, dude, uh, that is that exact guy who was trying to work his way up that cards was Puma King. Um, and then he just, I guess, just, you know what, fuck this, left, and then is uh, uh, going through a, a real um, career resurgence uh, on the indies right now. And I really hope for continued success for him. But yeah, crazy year. Doing a lot of stuff in Japan, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um he was really great to see in person in Bola, by the way. Like, he was one of those oh, guys yeah. that translated past the, we know he's a great wrestler and, and we're marking out for, like, you know, your Walters and Thatchers and stuff. And then he was a guy that that really um, translated well to, like, the more casual fans. Like, he was a big fan among the girlfriends when we, we did our whose who's favorite was whose. And yeah, Whitney and Courtney were just like, we fucking love that uh, that that cat man. Oh, that 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's your Courtney impression? That's what you got with? with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's going to be real happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I guess we <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, dude, honestly, Bola, I've gone to the last couple of them, uh, and it, with the huge eclectic group of talents from like Shingo to Dragoff, like, what an amazing year. Mm-hmm. Probably so, my favorite. Bola so much variety. I think uh, the big overriding theme of um, 2018 that we're kind of talking about here is just awesome variety. Like there's there's something for whatever kind of wrestling you like, it's all out there. And that was never more visible than in Bola. Like it was probably the most like international fresh bowler in so many years. Uh, probably since yeah, like that uh, UK scene was really blowing up. And I was just so impressed yeah, by so many guys. A lot of people were down on Bola. Um, a lot of people were down on like the lineup because – you didn't see the presence of all the like indie stars of the past couple of years that were right. But like the type of talent that they had, the Ildred Dragonovs and all the guys from Dragon Gate, Sema and you know, Shingo fucking killed it. Shingo Takagi. Like, yeah, it was freaking incredible. Like is it to me, even though it wasn't like they didn't have the star power quote unquote they've had in years past. This was one of the greatest lineups. It was so much better for it. Like, honestly, that show was so much better for it by using these, like, fresh guys that we know are fucking great, but, like, the casual such indie unique matchups. Yes. Like, honestly, like, the, the clash of styles in almost every match just made it tremendous. Yep, 100%. That was such a fan. Hey, before we get out of here, I wanted to actually, the most interesting wrestling story that's happened yet, in my opinion, I think it actually happened last night. It looked pretty disgusting as well. Uh, do you see this Priscilla, Priscilla Kelly video? I wasn't going to talk about it. I wasn't going to talk about it. I was wondering if you guys were going to bring it up or not. I, I have to. I, I watched you... it. I feel oh, like no. I'm maybe going to differ in opinion on this to you guys. I don't know. I don't know. I just need to hear if you – the only opinion I need to know is, is, is this wrestling gone too far? Is this something – I don't think we'll ever see it again. It's done. Was like, it a tampon? Is that yeah, what it was? That was the, yeah, it was a tampon. You like know I what? Food when I first, it was all the works, of course, but. when I first watched it, I thought it was like yeah. actually like a rubber goldfish, and I was like, "This is fucking great! <laughs> this is creative! <laughs> this is awesome!" <laughs> she took a goldfish <laughs> out of her fucking of her vagina, vagina and put it in this chick's mouth. Bravo! Bravo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, 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 did she put it in her mouth? Because I didn't yeah. finish the video. Yeah, she put it in her mouth. Oh, I tur- guys, I turned it off. Like as soon as I saw something dangling, I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, um, when I, when I found out it wasn't a rubber goldfish and what it actually was, uh, safe to say I was a little bit less enthusiastic. January fifth, six two six twenty four p.m. Priscilla Kelly tweeted. She said, "A penis is funny and awesome. A yep. vagina is disgusting and trashy. Equality." That is a and I got bullshit fucking. Never- I uh, I don't like that. Like equating it to a man versus woman thing, fuck you. Joey that, Ryan would not take like a fucking butt plug out of his asshole and then like put yes. it in a dude's mouth. Like that'd be the equivalent. That is literally what I was about to say. I was like, I've never seen something come out of his penis and go into someone else's mouth. That's a, it's <laughs> a little, it's a little, a little crazy. I don't know. I yeah. think it's gnarly and gross, and it's it, but it's a fucking wrestling. She's she's a gross out kind of like. She does some pretty weird shit in her matches. Nothing that weird. And I don't think it's ever going to happen again. We don't have to worry about a rash of female wrestlers <laughs> pulling their tampons and tossing them at each other. No, that would be part of a movement, man. Scenario. 
It'll be part I, of the indie wrestling women's movement. It'll be a hashtag. I think if someone was uh, helping her with her career, they might have advised her to never, ever do something like that because it gets on the internet. And, you know, She's you want to get signed by – yeah, you become that girl. Like you want to get signed somewhere and like everyone's like, oh, no, that's the tampon chick. Like I don't know, man. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that one. Mm, you know what my deal is? Uh, like, I love fresh, wacky shit. You know, like, I'm I'm a big fan of GCW, like we're just saying. I don't saying. think this was very fresh. So I, yeah, and that's, <laughs> oh! <laughs> Bravo, sir. Yeah, was, it almost went under the radar for me, but yeah. <laughs> well done, Mr. Pundiful. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I love different kind of shit, but... There's a there's a sort of a line where it like goes past something being you know zany and and wacky and different and it's just something where it's like that was that was just like fucking low hanging fruit you know it's like there's there's a, a difference between like doing a spot that's like really innovative and like hilarious and like oh wow I've never seen that before and doing a spot like that where it's like kind of just equating it with like a you know a, a dude just fucking getting his dick out. And rubbing it in a guy's face, kind of thing. You know, I just so, if I don't if know. Appendages are appendages, body. If it's attached to your body, it's okay. If it's something that has to go in or on your body, <laughs> we're not going to allow that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about official qualifications. But... All right, all right. <laughs> so it, that's just... a good way to end the show, I think. <laughs> yeah, lovely. So just to, just to see uh, your side of the fence, Jeremy, because I thought you would yes. be more like you know. 20, 2019, just do what you fucking want. Wrestling is a wrestling boom. <laughs> you know, like, is, is that kind of where you're at or what? That's hell yes, dude. I honestly, I I go to 321 Battle. It's mm-hmm. my favorite wrestling company locally, even though we have the awesome Defy. And they do weird shit all the time. There was one time a show where some guy transferred his bionic butt powers to another guy through this machine. And honestly, I had one of the best times of my life at this show. And <laughs> as, as, everyone's going along with it and everyone's having a good time. The people in attendance is all that matters. If the people who are at the show are enjoying it, then that's all that matters. You can digest or dissect, excuse me, anything, any clip on the internet later and, you know, put your own glance on it or your stint on it, you know, but Hey, if everyone in attendance is having a good time, that's all that matters. It's good to have differing opinions, you know, and uh, again, I'm probably, you know, not so enthusiastic about it as you, the thing that actually well, killed I don't think it for me. Well, tampon things going to be happen every year. Well, no, the, the thing <laughs> that killed it for me was her her response on Twitter to it, where it got some heat, and then she just like stuck her feet in and was like, the worst part was where she had like a tweet and she's like started with, guys, it's fake, and I'm like, ah, whenever you're oh. fucking defending something by breaking kayfabe, good lady, I'm not a fan of it. I don't like it at all. I did, I did retweet her penis. Vagina comparison thing because I thought it was funny, and I followed up with her with uh, letting her know that everyone know that the butthole is what's in right now. They need to get over this penis <laughs> vagina thing. Yeah. It's all about no, buttholes. I saw, More butt I stuff. I saw please. your retweet and I didn't realize it was you, Jeremy. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I retweeted I'm like it's all about the buttholes now, guys. <laughs> but no, I mean I I don't want to see that kind of shit ever again. I don't mind seeing it one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think we're gonna have to worry about it. If if it did become a commonplace, like all these female wrestlers decide to take up arms, like they think it is some really sexism stance, then oh my god, we are into a, into a disgusting 2019. 
<laughs> it almost reminds me, do you remember that ICW thing? I can't remember who it was, but the dude actually got, like, butt naked in the ring and, like, put his balls on the – he teabagged the dude. Yeah, they teabagged. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh. that's some D- That's some DDT stuff right there. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Paul uh, Paul London wrestled a while with his balls out at one show. I think it was – I think it was progress or rev. Or I remember he, he was more tasteful about it, you know. He didn't take the complete trunks off. He just got some sneaky balls out, out of the, the leg, you know. Classy. It's <laughs> a classy touch. Classy. <laughs> you guys are stupid. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is why oh. I love this show. Thanks, man. Uh, it devolves. <laughs> All right. I've had fun. Things? This is like, yeah, exactly what I wanted. You know, it's not us going through a list of, you know, Google what they say are the most, um, you know, prominent moments of the year. It's just kind of our our recollections, what what were things among us, and just like an organic conversation of uh, of of these, you know, bullshit that uh, there was, you know, stuff that we we want to talk about. So yeah, I, you know I enjoyed what? it. I, I would like to I would like to say something before you guys plug stuff. Um, so I mean, you know, this year, social suplex is definitely something that's pretty much primarily run by like, you know, Rich Latta and Jeremy Donovan, and then me and James are kind of their sidekicks when it comes to you know starting this stuff. And then we have a reoccurring cast of different guys that contribute to it, but. You know, this year we really wanted to kind of see this thing grow. And you guys were one of the first shows that kind of like jumped on. And uh, we have grown like significantly. And you guys are a huge part of that. And I know that like we don't chat with you guys all the time because you guys live in different parts of the country and you guys kind of have your own lives going on. But like you guys should know you guys are a huge part of the success that this network has, honestly. Aw, well, fucking hey, man! Thanks. Aw, that's sweet. Group hug. So sweet. Aw, yeah. Bring it in, guys. Thanks, brothers, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome to hear, man. Uh, Thank you. Chris approached me about doing a show because I, I used to do the one for MLW. I, I've always had issues doing the show. Just even just getting the will to get behind the microphone and just bullshit because I get nervous. But honestly, I can't be happier bullshitting with my international homie Chris about wrestling from time to time. So. Really Likewise. appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, man, really fun. I'm I'm uh, glad that we we have a reason to chat with one or every one another every couple of weeks uh, about our love for this this crazy uh, sport of ours. And yeah, we're, we're stoked to be able to do it for um for Social Suplex and be be part of the greater Social Suplex family. So yes, thanks sir. for the kind words, bud. Yeah, absolutely. We gotta. We definitely gotta meet up. WrestleMania weekend, all of us for sure. Oh hell yes, definitely. most definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be great. And then, yeah, you plug it away all started. First, yeah, please. What do you got, Josh? Yeah, so I'm. Uh, <laughs> I guess uh, so. You know, you can check out uh, my show. It's called Keeping It Strong Style on Twitter. We're at Ki Strong Style. Um, you my can also favorite interact. New Japan podcast on the internet. Just saying. I I think. Honestly, I'm just – I know that it's my show, but i got to be honest. I, fu- I listen to almost every New Japan podcast, and I think ours is the best, honestly. So it's the smoothest, I'd say. I, I like the uh... – I know that that's – I know that that's like a shameless self-plug or whatever, but like I am really proud of what we do, and it's not just me. It, it's something about me and Jeremy working together. It's just like the chemistry. Like I never imagined that we'd have such a good show, but like 
we really do have a good show, honestly. And like, I'm always proud of the product we put out there. Yeah, man, I'm I'm very enthusiastic about putting it over, and um, you can you can see how much work you guys put into it, and I think that's what brings it all home. So it's like when you're watching New Japan, sometimes it feels like you're just watching it on your own little island on your New Japan world at, at home. You know, staying up probably in the ungodly hours of the night after your girlfriend's gone to sleep and you have to fucking make your way through <laughs> these matches. Getting called a mark by Vince Russo, <laughs> right? Um, but it's it's great. To when you tune in to you know a show like Keeping It Strong Style, that you're like fuck, you know, there's all these other people that do it too, and and these guys watch even more New Japan than I do, so fuck me, and, and it's it's great because the the conversations that you guys have are definitely things that that goes through the mind of of the the viewer when you're watching it yourself. So it's like you definitely make make uh, the listener feel part of the conversation, which I, I think is a real success of the show. I think this year too, and um, I mean, Jeremy doesn't know I'm going to say any of this stuff, but I mean, and I didn't know I was going to say any of this stuff, but like we've got definitely like we're growing the show this year. We've got like interviews on the horizon. Mm-hmm. We might be doing some retro shows slash match reviews, TV reviews, game shows. We also are kind of considering a debate show. There might even be a Patreon coming up in 2019. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're even kind of considering video. So, hey. yeah. Well, um, give me yeah, a give me def- a phone call whenever you're doing some some real retro New Japan match reviews. I want to get on board that. Oh, oh, Chris, you're on the short list. Like <laughs> you're definitely going to be on that show. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you can check us out at, K- at, at Ki Strong Style on Reddit. I'm uh, keeping it strong style. Jeremy Donovan is pro black guy. Um, you can also interact with us on our uh, Facebook page, which is the Wrestling Squared Circle. Um, also, you know, subscribe to um, Social Suplex with all the other great shows that we have. And uh, yeah, man, you, you've killed it! Awesome. And do hear, you have? I hear Jeremy do it enough. I hear Jeremy do it enough. So <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, well, you've pretty much hit off all of the, the plugs that I usually do for Social Suplex, so great job there, sir. Um, I really wanted to ask you, what about your your uh, your plugs to just rad shit? What you got? Yeah, what oh. kind of cool stuff do you like? <laughs> well, you know, I'm a, obviously I love wrestling. Um, I'm a big, big, big MMA mark. Um I'm a musician. Lots of people don't know that. I go out play shows all the time. Um, What's an album somebody should check out right now? Oh, I don't know. I don't listen. It's 2019. <laughs> Who listens to albums? No, I mean, what's a record that was okay? What MP3 are you listening to on regular rotation? Um, you know, I pretty much just stream music, to be honest with you. So, because I'm not great. I, I'm at a point where I really am not like... Uh, but- Put an artist over. Just put an artist over, man. That's all I'm asking. I don't know. I'm always listening to Radiohead, stuff like that. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Radiohead is awesome. We're down with that. <laughs> I, okay, I actually, sure. I, what's your favorite album? My my favorite album of all time? Oh, no, oh, Radiohead. Radiohead. Oh, Radiohead? Uh, I like The Rainbows, uh, that experimental one that they did in 2006. Yes. Very good. I like Kid A nice. a lot. Kid okay, A is so good. Yeah, I, I feel bad because like I, I love music, but I don't – I mean I'm 30 and I feel like I am so out of the loop on how to find new music. And everyone else seems to 
you know, as the internet has grown and like our accessibility has grown, it becomes almost harder actually like pinpoint what's good and what's out there. Cause there's so much more now. That's, true. That's why Pandora and those services are so good. You could just hopefully just by, you know, like-minded music attachments. Uh, well, how do they tag all that shit? Like, you know, all of a sudden you're, I don't know. It's impressive. You like, like such and such. I'm happy I'm that actually, Pandora somehow yeah. stayed alive through this year because it was it was going to shut down, right? And then I think they're they're still somehow serious about alive. it. Serious about it. Ah, I see. Good there's stuff. there's actually a show coming up here re- uh, pretty soon where the Abbott brothers and uh, Gary Clark Jr. are going to be together, and I'm definitely going to go check that out. Ooh, dang. Gary Clark Jr. is fucking awesome. I I love Gary Clark Jr. I saw him and. Uh, like he, it was he open for the Foo Fighters out here at the Gorge in, uh, out in Quincy, Washington. And it was fucking incredible. What a powerful musician. He's amazing. Oh, yeah. speaking of underrated musicians, I wanted to put over um, Thundercat. Oh, fuck yeah. You all under him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Thundercat's awesome. So good. I saw him in a live show here in, in Brisbane. We actually came over and played uh, this cool venue that we got over here, the Triffid. And it was fantastic. Just so experimental and, and fresh and different. I, I like Thundercat. Um, he's kind of like like Mac DeMarco and those guys. Hmm. A little bit. I don't know if you, I don't know if you know. Yeah, a little bit. Like I've I've heard them like uh, played a lot together. Like um, oh, I'm trying to think the the other freaking band I like. I can't remember. I suck at this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, now you put over your, your, your Twitter and your Instagram and then something. All right, Twitter. Uh, hit, hit the show up, actually, on Twitter. Hit the, the Grown Men pod uh, where Good you can call. hear about where all of our, uh, our latest shows are coming out. You know, if you're thinking there's going to be a show, you say, what's going on? There's no feed in our show. Jump on the yeah, Twitter. Yeah, might be crying. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's mean. <laughs> Oh, she got real there. She got real. I love you, Jeremy. Don't put yourself down like that. Um, I probably will be crying. Yeah, me too. We all cry. We all cry. Grown men can cry. (laughs) Yeah, you check out that that grown men at grown men pod, and you can see uh, the reason why there's no show, because it's a holiday weekend, and we didn't want to. Um, you know, yeah. we'll tell you. We didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, work schedules That's and cool. such. Doing a show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I also uh, the Chris things on the the Twitter and uh, most importantly at Chris things on the Instagram. Uh, we can keep uh, tabs on the art that I'll be making, wrestling art, uh, prints that are available. Uh, hopefully we'll be making a, a bit more stuff uh, accessible and purchasable uh, for all of you lovely people um, into 2019. So please jump onto that. And in terms of rad shit plugs, I wanted to just put over fucking Bob Einstein slash the Funkhauser. I was so oh, sad. Yeah, another another one that was taken from us this year. Uh, but it's such a talented man. I love me some Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he's my possibly my favorite part of the show. Uh, I just watched a bunch of the um, the Bob Einstein uh, with Jerry Seinfeld on. The, yeah, that clip is amazing. So good, so good. <laughs> Tell Jerry that joke. It's like all brutal with the with the liver. Ah. <laughs> oh. Funkhauser, uh, so rest in peace. I, I fucking love you. Also wanted to put over... Wait, wait, wait. Yeah? Before we go, are you guys going to do an Arquette thing? 
Fuck me! Oh, shit. Oh. Well, let me do my plugs in the movie arcade because I got one. Yeah. There was a show. I actually don't know the results yet. I, I've right, always so. wanted to be part of one. So. Okay. Yeah. So for me, uh, I am at James Vanderbeek on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, to put over some cool shit, check out the new Rob Sonic Defrender album if you like hip hop. It's pretty Ooh. dope. Ten songs, really quick, tight, fresh. Um, and then. So. Uh, pop-up show for NW- NWA went down today. Uh-huh. The hair versus hair match. Has the hair, for... hair versus hair match gone into the ring yet? I, I, I don't need... know. That's what I'm checking. I'm checking the Twitter right now. This is a live right? update. Live update. Live update. So, uh, background for everybody. Uh, We had David Arquette that was going to be part of this pop-up show. Uh, And David Arquette uh, had a a series of video exchanges with the Josephus, uh, who does like a bit of a – he's got a spiritual advisor. Josephus. Josephus, That's it. That's it. Good good catch. Good save, my friend. Um, and he, he said to David Arquette, he wants to be, you know, team with him, help him out. Um, all he has to do is shave his head. Uh, it's a sign of commitment, uh, you know, cause his, his spiritual advisor has the shaved head and such. Uh, then in, in a return interview, David Arquette was not down with this. He said it was, uh, it was the, the season where, what's it called? Where new shows are coming out and he has to be looking good. Uh, in the television industry. Oh, Pilot season. Yeah, it's pilot season. He has to be looking good. He's not going to be shaving his head. And he basically concluded with giving Josephus the finger uh, and then uh, prompted to say, hey, you want me to shave my head? If I beat you, you shave your head. And then we had a a hair match on the line. And uh, let me tell you, there were some great uh, videos done uh, by Mr. Uh, Billy Corgan and... uh, and his uh, NWA 10 Pounds of Gold series and the build-up to this. I wanted to put that over, so I'm I'm quite excited. But please uh, tag what what you got, Jeremy. Here we got, and the winner of the hair versus (gasps) hair match. Oh, my. David Arquette keeps his hair, everybody. Oh, Oh. shit. (laughs) Josephus Josephus had a lot of hair that he was going to be losing on that one. Oh my gosh! I don't oh, think man. he's had a haircut Thanks in many years. Thank you for your year. reminder. There, oh, there was a part of me that. that thought to myself, "I thought David Arquette is totally going to shave his head for the art and for the craft, and just to continue to atone for his past sins or self <laughs> self perceived self like sins. Like that's that's like that's how dedicated this dude is <laughs> to the wrestling business. He's already sacrificed like his fucking neck and a good amount of his blood to this business why not also Dude. sacrifice his hair you guys harder. need to um you guys need to compile all the fucking like uh <laughs> david arquette clips that you've done this year and then put them together as one super episode and then get him to come on the show <laughs> oh, oh man david on that would be amazing we need to i i've That's said I, i've said before we get arquette this show gets shut down. We're not going to get any bigger than that. He follows me. I just got to talk him into it. I think Beautiful. David Arquette would really come on the show if, like, he found out that there's one show out there, just one, that is literally, like, following him the whole time. Because I, I bet you guys literally are the only ones who are doing this. Um, it's a labor of love, my him, friend. But yes, I don't sir. want him to come on the show if you guys are going to shut down. Like, that's, that's no bueno. No it actually might no. cause a resurgence. It, it, we might be reinvigorated to do the show for another ten years. Mm. <laughs> It'll be one way or the other. I just, we, it just doesn't get any better than this. 
goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. Or it's like, you know what? Fuck yeah, let's keep on going. We're sticking around. Oh, amazing episode, gentlemen. Great stuff. Thank you so much for coming on, Josh. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys. Thank you for having me on. Have a good night. Thanks a bunch, buddy. All right. Well, thank you to everyone at home. Uh, Thank you, my my podcasting partner, Jeremy, for a a great 2018. I had so much fun. I, I... I don't know. I didn't even know if I thought I'd be going this long with this podcast. You know, you never know in this crazy world of ours, but I'm, I'm still having a, a boatload of fun. Hell yeah, me too. Riding high. Riding Woo! high. Well, get Swifty, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, to Courtney, thanks for listening. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.